welcome back to the battery with cap and pat hey guys welcome back uh episode three here with cap and pat bang bang so uh this week we're gonna take a look into some different topics we're gonna start off talking about uh the potential nfl uh playoff teams and uh future quarterback positions for a couple other football teams then we're gonna get into some free agent baseball talk and some big trades that happened and i'm gonna let blake start us off here yeah man so i mean looking right off the bat i mean obviously this draft um loaded with talent uh kyle trask obviously kind of didn't go out the way he wanted to tonight you got guys like trevor lawrence and justin fields that have their game upcoming on uh, on new year's day with that being said um you got a lot of teams that are looking to to place those guys uh atlanta right off the bat looks like matt ryan this could be his last year there i see there's a chance for for matt maybe to be playing in new england next year cam newton i wouldn't be shocked to see retire i mean guy has five touchdowns 10 interceptions this year yeah his his wide receiving core hasn't been what it probably what he needs but at this point in his career I think Cam is probably obviously on his back burner of the back nine of his career. The Pats are definitely going to be looking for, for that next level guy. And I think Matt Ryan might be able to gel well in that type of system, you know? So then obviously you look at somebody like the Eagles where Carson Wentz has already came out and said, Hey, if, if you have no plans on starting me next year, let me go, you know? And I've never really been a big fan of Carson Wentz. I just, I don't feel like he's done anything for that team. Yeah, he had that one year where he supplied them with the first round bye and then let Nick Foles kind of do the rest. But now you got Jalen Hurts, who's thrown six touchdowns in his first couple games here, 54% completions, almost 1,000 yards passing and over, over 300 yards rushing on the ground. And he looks really good for the little that he's shown so far. So right, right there, you're looking at Atlanta, Eagles, Patriots, also, obviously, Joe Flacco, I wouldn't be shocked to see this him put him up this year. Sam Darnold may, get, may stick with the Jets, depending on who they draft. Uh, like we said last week, I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets traded where they're picked to see if they can get a quarterback in later rounds, which now with Kyle Trask, the way he performed against Oklahoma tonight, wouldn't be shocked. That's probably a spot the Jets might do. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see Sam Darnold maybe like that first two-week starter to, to get somebody like a, a Justin Fields or Kyle Trask in their system uh, and really see how that works. And then Sam Darnold's out, you know, uh, and then going down to Jacksonville, Minshew, who I got to give it to in the beginning of the year, looked pretty decent. I mean, in his first few games there, he's thrown for quite a few yards, putting up some touchdowns, finishes going to finish the year around, I mean, he's got 16 touchdowns right now, five interceptions. He's thrown for over 2,200 yards. I mean, not a bad year. I think I wouldn't be shocked to see someone like Minshew find a spot somewhere else in the league. I just, right now where the Jaguars are, and most likely getting Trevor Lawrence here in the next few months, I don't see Minshew really sticking around much longer. Now, with that being said, there's also some other big names that are going to be free agents and why I bring up guys like Joe Flacco and Cam Newton as re- possible retirees. I mean, they're going to be free agents this year. Yeah, if, I, if I'm, if I, if I'm an NFL franchise and I see names like Cam Newton and Joe Flacco, I'm not really intrigued by it that much. You know, you also have Dak Prescott coming off that injury. Don't think he'll, I, I don't see him moving anywhere. I think Dallas will, will stick, will keep him. Phillip Rivers is in his free agent year. Wouldn't be shocked to see if this is his last year, especially if he finds his way in the playoffs after this week. Trubisky's in his free agent year, and Ryan uh, Ryan Fitz Magic is in his in his free agent uh, season as well. So, right off the bat, right there, Pat. Looking at obviously, you're a big Bears fan. Looking at Mitchell Trubisky, what do you think right off the bat the, the Bears are looking to do with him? Well, man, um, obviously, I hate to say this, but. Mitch has looked really good the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, they're, they're, they haven't been playing the greatest of competition. I will, I will say that. But I, I'll also say that the offense has changed 
ever since Nagy gave it up and Mitch has been reinstated as a starter. Um, you know, they got a lot riding this Sunday. Uh, you know, they win, they're in. Cardinals lose, Bears lose, the Bears are in. So, I mean, I I personally, I love Mitch Trubisky, dude. I, I love his tweets. I love just everything about that dude. And... I think if he can, I think if he sneaks them into the playoffs and then they go and maybe sneak a game in the playoffs, I think they're going to keep him around for another year and kind of see what they have with this new offense. Um, but at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me to see them, uh, if they don't make it, move on. And I think Mitch can be very serviceable as a backup. But with his recent performance, I would have to say that, you know, this Sunday against the Packers, it should be a really good game. And if they find their way into the playoffs and they, you know, sneak away a playoff game, I, I think they're going to keep Mitch around another year. Um, I like what you said about Matt Ryan actually going to the uh, Patriots. I think that'd be, I think that'd be a terrific fit for Matt Ryan and Bill Belichick. I, I think you skip, if you're Bill Belichick um, and Matt Ryan comes your way, I think you get, you know, Matt Ryan at, at the, maybe a better place than Brady was when he left New England. Um you give Matt Ryan the the Belichick, you know, factor, and then a couple of offensive weapons they have. Because, uh, you know, I'm, they had so many guys opt out on defense this year that, you know, they're, they're, top, they're a top five defense in the league. But when you got six, I think they had six or seven starters that opted out this year. And when that happens, you're just not going to have the same success as, you, as you've had uh, recently. But I will say um, I that was the one that I really – when you told when you spoke about Matt Ryan going to the Patriots, I really like that one. Um, I don't see I don't I'm gonna have to disagree with you. I don't see Cam Newton retiring at all. I think Cam has the same attitude as Carson Wentz. I think they both want to be starters, but I think I think that Cam is a real more is a little more realistic in regards to maybe I'm not as good as I once was, and uh, I think he'd be perfect backing up somebody like Lamar Jackson. Um, cause then, you know, if Lamar gets hurt and we've seen it a couple of times, RG3's had to play the game, you know, you're not really, it's the same quarterback. I mean, Lamar, in my opinion right now, Lamar's better. Um, but you're not, you don't have to change your whole offensive scheme, you know, to adapt to a whole new quarterback. Um, a couple of, one other thing that you didn't mention that I'd like to bring up is what do you think about the possibility of Jimmy G returning to New England if San Francisco doesn't pick up, you know? if they don't pick up his option or, or if New England trades for him. Yeah, and, and that's that's a good point because, I mean, obviously that would be – and if, if you want to talk about Jimmy G going, going to New England and, and Matt Ryan maybe finding his way in San Francisco as well, all of a sudden you have a relationship rebuilt between Kyle Shanahan and Matt Ryan, which obviously the last time Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator for the Falcons, the Falcons find their way into a Super Bowl – where really they, they, they looked unstoppable leading up into the game, averaging close to, it was like 40 points a game or something crazy like that, where just teams couldn't stop them. They figured out how to, how to evenly balance the run and the pass, which in previous years for Atlanta really couldn't figure out. You had Michael Turner back there. Uh, obviously now they have Todd Gurley. You had, you had Devontae Freeman back there, which clicked when, when Kyle Shanahan put himself in the system. Those two guys really figured it out. Uh, between each other for sure but going back to Matt Ryan's placement and for the Patriots possibly I look back at the last two head coaches for Atlanta and, and Mike Smith and Dan Quinn both of those coaches for what they are obviously Mike Smith has found himself in more defensive coordinator opportunities obviously with Tampa after he was fired from Atlanta <clears throat> and then you move it on to Dan Quinn who both guys claim themselves to be defensive geniuses, even though Atlanta has never been able to figure out their problem on the defensive side of the ball. I think if you put somebody like Matt Ryan and, and Bill Belichick together, where I would say Matt Ryan and Tom Brady kind of have a similar QB style where it's a pocket passer. I mean, right now you're looking at the Patriots that had an awful year and you're putting a quarterback in where I feel you give him what he needs, he's going to get the job done. By no means, Matt Ryan is not a bad quarterback. 
I think he's very comparable. And I think he's a little bit better than like a Matthew Stafford. And just for some reason, both quarterbacks outside of a few years, have just never really been able to get to where they need to. And whether that's the counterparts that they have around them, the coaching, whatever it is, I think if you put Matt Ryan in a different site than Atlanta right now and allow Atlanta to rebuild to what that offense used to be with the Julio Jones and Roddy White's, Tony Gonzalez's, I mean, that offense used to be unreal. I mean, I would watch, I would watch the Falcons football every Sunday, turn on a game, and their first drive, they're up 7 nothing. you blink, and now they're up 21 nothing. You know, I think right off the bat, I've never been a huge Trubisky fan. And I, I think, I think the, the reason for that is in that draft class, you obviously had Mahomes and, and, and Watson. And the Bears had their opportunity at both of them. I know Bears fans absolutely love Trubisky. That's great. I, I've never watched a Bears game and been like, wow, Mitchell Trubisky. You know, he's been able to do it against teams like Jacksonville in the Lions every now and then, but lower end competition. You look at his record against teams that make the postseason, usually not too great. You know, he leads him, he leads him to a postseason last year. Okay. I when I look at Mitch Trubisky, I, I don't look at him any better than really than Carson Wentz. And I think Carson Wentz may be better than him. I just the accuracy is not there for me. Some of the passes I see him throw, I'm just like, what was that? You know. Yeah. With that said, Pat, looking at the guys that are coming out of the draft, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Kyle Trask, do you see, or any quarterback for that matter, do you see any of those guys being an instant starter for any of those teams? Aside from Trevor, um, I, you know, I I really like Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is the type of guy that could come in and um, he could come in and he could just not be as dominant, I think, as Trevor could. Um, but I do think he could come in and kind of do what Joe Burrow did. Just kind of dominate, not dominate, but, you know, like hold his own. Have, have a, you know, you give him some weapons, not even some weapons, you just give him the opportunity to play. Um, I think that gives him the opportunity to, feel himself out and from what I've seen this year he's looked like probably in my eyes he's looked like the second best quarterback in the nation and honestly I know you don't like to hear this he, he's making a run for the first because I don't take this in I don't hold this against Trevor but those two weeks out that really hurt him that really hurt his I think that hurt his race for Heisman even though I don't think it should have and you know we've said on the show previously that you know we think that the Heisman race is pretty stat-based, and we don't think that a wide receiver should win it. But as of right now, it looks like that's the way it's going to go. But I, I think when you look at it, I think if you're talking about total dominance this year, I think Mac Jones has proven to be the most dominant quarterback this year. And I'm saying that just because, again, Trevor missed those two weeks, so we didn't get to see him for two weeks. He could have beat Notre Dame twice this year. And unfortunately, because he was out the one week, they still lost, they lost the double overtime at Notre Dame, which if you give him that game, I think if he, if he's in there for both Notre Dame games, I think Trevor wins his Heisman, no doubt. But I, I, Zach Wilson is another one that I would, I would say can, can perform a little bit. Um, Justin Fields, I would not take, I would not take Justin Fields very high. I just, I, I wouldn't. I like, the, like today they were talking about the Jets. And, you know, what they what should they do? You're going to have the number two pick in the draft. You got this quarterback, Sam Darnold, which he's been all right. He's been terrible, actually. Um, and what do you do? Because you're not – you messed up. You don't even know how to lose the right way. And you messed up getting Trevor. And unless the Jaguars pull off some improbable win this week, I don't think the Jets have a chance. And – do you waste your second pick on Justin Fields or do you to go a Mac Jones or a Zach Wilson or even a Kyle Trask? I, in my eyes, I, I see Justin Fields as the fifth best quarterback. And that's not to mention that's, that's forgetting about that guy from North Dakota state who we only got to see for one game. So I, 
you know, I there's only two. It's Trevor and Mac Jones that I think could be have like Joe Burrow type of success right away. Um, but then again, I I could see Zach Wilson having a decent year, not a great year. Uh, I think he's I think he showed me a lot in that coastal game and throughout the whole year that you know he's got he's got composure. I think he I think he's got what it takes, and I think he wants to learn, um, which is big. And I you know Justin Fields dominant last year. Yeah, he was really good last year, like forty something touchdowns last year. But then you look at this year and like he just he. He, he didn't do anything, like, honestly. Besides the game against Michigan State and Penn State, who was just terrible this year, and Michigan State's been terrible the past couple of years, I mean, Justin Fields really didn't perform very well against a good team. You know, against IU, he had the three interceptions. Against Northwestern, it looked like he'd never played football before. And, you know, man, I just I, – I truthfully think it it's Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, and then – Zach Wilson, but between Trevor and Mac, there's probably about I would say about a like twenty foot difference, and between Trevor Mac and then Zach Wilson, there's about a hundred foot difference. So after tonight, the way Kyle Trask performed, you would say he's dropped off fairly. Yeah, I, now I, I I will say this at the same time. Also, he did have a lot of his main receivers opt out, and I you you know uh, being a pitcher like if I catch you every game and then all of a sudden, you know, they decide to catch someone else, you're not going to have the same confidence or mentality and you're not going to be on the same page. And I think, I think that's what we saw when he threw three straight drives and interceptions. They just didn't have, they didn't have the timing of the routes down together because they might've been practicing for a week, but you know, I mean, we play baseball together for two, three years now and, I, I mean, it took us. It usually doesn't take you. It takes you longer than a week. And a good example. A good example would be. I mean, look at Baker Mayfield and the Browns. Their whole yeah. first string wide receiving core was out this last weekend against the Jets, and they looked awful. I, well, not awful, but very out of sync. No, they they looked awful. You know, and so I I can see I can see your point on that. So evaluating the rookie QBs that you saw this year in the NFL. Is it fair to say Joe Burrow was kind of your runaway candidate for best rookie QB? Or would you go somewhere else? Uh, no, dude, I would definitely go somewhere else. I like Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert has been probably one of the most impressive rookies, first-year rookie quarterback that I've ever seen. I, you know, besides his game against, who was it, New England, where he they just – it's Bill Belichick, dude. He's going to own you, and it doesn't matter. Like, he, he, like he's a rookie. But I'm going to say, dude, I, you know, he, his first career start, I think, was against the Chiefs and took him to OT. And I, I, I was really impressed, and I still am impressed by Justin Herbert. I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens next year um, in regards to how the league adjusts to him. Uh, but I'm also interested to see if he returns next year is Joe Burrow and how the league reacts to him. Because in my eyes, they they were both very impressive. Um, obviously, Joe Burrow being the number one overall pick, like you kind of how do, how do you say this? Like you expect the number one overall pick to be good, like right away. So like when Baker struggled his first couple of years, you know, you're like, okay, another like, because if you look at it, there's a lot of number one overall draft picks. They don't, they usually don't pan out too well. Like, you can go in baseball, too. Like, Mark uh, – what's that one dude's name? Mark Appel. I think he was – dude, I I don't even – I think he's selling cars now. I don't I don't, I don't know what he's doing. But, like, yeah, no, you know, sure. it's, it, and that's just unfortunate for him. But I was really impressed by Justin Herbert. Uh, I think two has looked like crap. I honestly do. I just think he's looked terrible. Um, the fact that he keeps getting pulled for Fitzpatrick and the fact that the Dolphins – I heard this today. Um, the fact that the Dolphins need a win and they're still going back to Tua against a very good Bills team, I it just doesn't sound like a win now attitude. Um, and when you're in a position like the Dolphins are, I I think you you go with fit. I mean, the dude's proven time and time again. He got his he got his head yanked in half and threw, you know, he won him the game. So I don't know. I, I, I personally believe Justin Herbert has been the most impressive um, rookie quarterback 
but I'm I'm very interested to see your take on this because I know I know you speak very highly of Joe Burrow, but I think him getting hurt really hurt a lot of his chances. Yeah, I mean, obviously you look at a guy like Herbert who had an unreal season, breaks the, the rookie passing t- record. Do I think it's consistent? I don't think he's going to be as consistent as Joe Burrow. Just watching, I mean, if Joe, if you get if you give the Bengals a defense, Joe Burrow wins a few more games there in the beginning of the year. The problem was, no, yeah, for sure. Bur- Burrow would throw for 350 yards and put up a few touchdowns. Problem is, is the other side of the ball is giving up 40 points. You know, not to take anything away from Herbert, I just don't think it's going to be consistent. The way I watched him play football at Oregon, he he normally wasn't consistent, you know. And, yes, he, he, was a, he was a good college quarterback. Do I think he's a consistently good NFL quarterback? No, not at all. I think long-term, if you gave me the pick between Herbert and Burrow after just seeing their first year, I don't see how I could pick Herbert. Uh, and that would be for either side. If I was the, if I had Burrow with the Chargers offense and Herbert with the with the Bengals offense, I'm still taking I'm taking Burrow. And obviously, I mean, there's a reason why he was the number one pick. Now it's going to be interesting to see how Burrow comes back from his from his injury. We've seen time and time again guys come back from torn ACLs and and, and their game completely changes. You know, or they might be scared to take a hit in that first week where guys wrapping up your knees at 370 pounds you know so it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be interesting to see how he bounces back do i think he'll be fine yes i saw i mean you saw videos of him the last few weeks of him going through his therapy and finally being able to walk without a brace or crutches or anything i think burrow figures it out wasn't a big fan of him in college obviously a bunch of people know why takes clemson to the woodshed in new orleans but you got to respect the guy's talent. And I think he's the best rookie quarterback of this class. So with that said, let's look at the NFL playoff seedings right now. Obviously right now in the AFC, your one, two, three chiefs, Bills, Steelers have all solidified their spot. The chiefs have locked in the first round by and the AFC championship is going to have to go through the chiefs. If they have anything to say about it, this week they got the Chargers at six and nine. Probably going to wrap up their season pretty well. Wouldn't be shocked to see if they maybe let Mahomes have a few drives and then and then put oh, him no, on the bench. They, and... they they he's full blown rest. Full, they, well, there you go. There's your answer. Watch his face. Who's starting for them this week? Somebody. Somebody's right. starting for them this week. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, and then you got the Bills and Steelers that are fighting for that two seed, uh, both twelve and three. Bill's got the Dolphins this weekend. I think that's going to be a tough game for them. Dolphins are really fighting for everything they got. Uh, Steelers are sitting. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, the Browns, again, th- that's who they're playing this weekend. Browns are fighting for their spot. Titans, Dolphins, Ravens, Browns can all get in with a win. The Colts, on the other hand, need a win, and they need the Titans to lose. That is their only way in. There's no other way. They lose, they're out. If they win and the Titans win, they're out as well. Jumping over the NFC, you got the Packers. They're playing the Bears. Going to be a good game. I want to see how Mitch plays against a Packers team where they played earlier in the season, lost forty-one to twenty-five. I think it's going. To, I think it's going to be interesting. If I'm the Bears in that game, if I get a lead, I'm working the trenches. I'm draining the clock. I'm keeping the Packers offense off the field because traditionally throughout the year where the Packers get hurt is on the defensive side of the ball. You can handle them defensively. I mean, Chicago put up 25 points on, on Green Bay on Green Bay in the first outing. An NFL team occasionally scores who scores 25 points, I would say wins maybe about 75% of the time and should win. Now against a team that has usually a pretty decent defense in Chicago gives up 41 allows Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball through the air pretty well it's gonna be interesting move on moving on to the Saints who also have their chance at a first round bye they have to win Green Bay has to lose and Seattle has to win Seattle has no chance at the one seed uh it's between the Saints and the Packers so Green Bay win or tie 
and or Seattle loss and tie. New Orleans has to win. Green Bay has to lose. And Seattle has to win for them. Moving on to the bottom of the pack for the teams that haven't solidified their spot in the NFC. You got Dallas, Washington, New York, who is still trying to determine a, a champion in their uh, division. The Rams and Arizona play against each other this weekend. And then obviously, as we talked about, just the Bears. Okay. So, Pat, I'm going to swing this over to you. Immediately looking at, I'm going to give you two, I'm going to give you two scenarios here. Looking at the Dallas, Washington and the Giants dilemma, Washington, if Washington wins and or Dallas loses to Philly, they are in. The Giants, if they win and Washington loses, they're in. And if Dallas wins and Washington loses, they're in. With that, also in the Rams and Arizona game, where the Rams beat the Cardinals 38 to 28 in their last game. Give me a NFC East division champion and preview the Rams and Arizona game for me. All right. Well, um, you know, I think I heard that Washington might have Alex Smith back under center this week. And if that's the case, I think Washington wins that division easily. Well, I think they win the game easily, causing them to win the division. Um, If he's not in there, I mean, the way Dallas – I hate to say this. The way Dallas has been playing recently, I like Dallas. Um, they're kind of that – like, they're weirdly hungry again, if that makes any sense. Um, they want I, – I guess they want to make the play – like, everybody wants to make the playoffs. But, um, you know, I think the Redskins really shot themselves in the – oh, man, the Washington football team, my bad. Um, I think they really shot themselves. Our show just got canceled. Yeah, <laughs> I think they really shot themselves in the foot last week by losing that game to Carolina. Um, to, but then again, they control their own destiny. So I, I like Washington to come out of the East, uh, especially if Alex Smith is under center. Um, and now talking about this, uh, the uh, Rams and the Cardinals game, I, I, as a Bears fan, I would love to see Arizona lose because Going into the Bears and Packers game, I'm not 100% sold that the Bears are going to win. Um, with that being said, I know Jared Goff is not playing. Cooper Cup may not be playing. I, You know, everything's telling you that Arizona is going to win. Kyler Murray, we got told, I think, today that Kyler Murray will be playing. You know, in a normal game, I like the Rams. The only thing that is keeping me from 100% being on Arizona is that Rams defense. And that Rams defense is unreal. They're, I mean, they're, they, if they can, if they get to the, they've proven time and time again, if they can get to the quarterback, they're get, the, that offense is going to have a struggle. And that, that, that's what allows the Rams to get away with winning a game 20 to 14 or 17, 14. Um, right now I would say Arizona is going to win that game just because I think, First of all, Los Angeles Rams, their offense was too inconsistent with Goff at the helm. Uh, You know, this dude's making close to $30 million a year, and he'll throw five interceptions one day, and then the next game he'll throw six touchdowns like I do in Madden. You know, it's it's weird. Um, And for somebody to be paid $30 million, you know, you take a look at a couple quarterbacks that are getting paid $30 million, Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. Uh, they're just collecting a nice little paycheck, man. And it must be nice, but I think I think that Arizona is going to beat them this week. Sure. So assuming that the AFC stays the same and the Colts win, and let's assume the Titans beat the Texans this week, looking at it from top to bottom, you got the Chiefs are going to be number one, Bills two, Steelers three, Titans four. Dolphins five, Ravens six, Browns seven. So obviously this year they, they they added a they added a team which I think for the NFL looks really good because you're not you're, now you're not going to have to leave out possibly an eleven and five team from the playoffs, whether that's the Browns, Ravens, Dolphins, or Titans. So assuming it stays the same, you got your first round your first round AFC wild card games are going to be the Bills and the Browns played in Buffalo. Steelers and Ravens played in Pittsburgh. 
and the Titans and the Dolphins played in Tennessee. Right off the bat, looking at those matchups right there, no clear-cut winner, I would say, in any game. I still think the Bills are probably a reckon to be messing with when it when it comes to winning the AFC. The way Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are are playing with each other right now, I think that I think that I think they have a chance to win the AFC and win a Super Bowl like we talked about before. Looking at those games, Pat, which one would are you most excited and possibly has a chance to maybe show an upset looking at the five, six, seven seeds, Titans, Dolphins, Steelers, Ravens, Bills, Browns, which game are you looking at to see that, that five, six, seven seed pull off an upset? Yeah, I, you know, I think, I think there's two teams right now, aside from the Chiefs in the AFC, that are probably playing the best football they possibly can at the right time. And I think that's Baltimore and Buffalo. And I know that, uh, Baltimore has traditionally struggled in the playoffs. Um, Lamar has not played good at all in the playoffs. Um, but with that being said, I think they're peaking at the right time right now. And I, I could see, I could see them going into Pittsburgh, man, and just pulling the upset. I, I really could. And then I could see, um, I could honestly see Miami putting up a good fight but I don't think I don't think they can hang with Tennessee but the thing with Tennessee is if Tennessee gets behind then they got to get rid of the running game and they got to go straight to passing which kind of is a struggle for them because Tannehill's not as consistent as he was and anybody that's watching Titans game will tell you they run dominant um so if they get behind I I that's the only way Miami can win the game in my eyes is getting out ahead early um, but I, I really like Baltimore. I, I think they've, uh, I think they're peaking at the right time. And I think Lamar is getting kind of pissed off about all the uh, talk about him not being good in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just going to say, I think, I think he's going to try to come out and this may be good or bad, but I think he's going to come out and uh, try to prove everyone wrong. Right. And assuming that Buffalo beat Cleveland in the first round, the first matchup for the Chiefs in the divisional round is the Ravens. And right. it's crazy to me because when you look at teams like Tennessee and the Dolphins that are sitting in the 4-5 spot, I would rather be playing one of those two teams than playing somebody like even the Ravens and or the Browns. You know, yeah. if, the Browns can, if the Browns can get healthy and get their guys off of the COVID list, if I'm the Chiefs or the Bills – right now I definitely don't want to play the Ravens I and then if it came down to Titans Dolphins Browns give me I would say probably the Dolphins just because of the lack of playoff experience that they that they don't have and I'm sure when when if they clinch next weekend you're going to see the whole stat oh this team only has four players that have ever played in a postseason game that's going to be the type of thing that you're going to see with them Obviously, you now have playoff experience with Buffalo and the Chiefs to where Buffalo's coming off a loss to Houston last year where they should have won the game, and classic Buffalo does what they do, right? Let's now look at the NFC, and we're going to look at those bottom teams again. Assuming things stay the same, and because it's the easiest way in, we're going to assume that Washington is hosting that four spot. Okay. So let's go Packers, number one, Saints, two, Seahawks, three, Washington, four, Buccaneers, five, Rams, six, Bears, seven, Arizona at eight. Okay. So we're going to assume that Arizona is out of the playoffs. Cool. All righty. Saints versus Bears. You're looking at it right off the bat. I don't see it. Now, if the, if the Bears come out and beat the Packers, then maybe, you know, Mitch might have a hot hand. I don't really see it. Then looking at the Seahawks playing the Rams, Seahawks have been able to pretty much handle them during the season. 
then you're looking at Washington hosting the Buccaneers. I think it's a yeah, one I and think done. That could be. I don't know, man. I think that could be a really interesting game because I Washington's don't. defense is very good. And if you watch one thing over this, I'm not saying they can win, but right. I'm saying that if you watch Washington play this year and you watch when Brady has sucked or struggled, it's when he gets pressured. And I think they have probably one of the best defensive players. This may be way premature in the league right now in Chase Young. I've, he's, he's been so impressive this whole year. And I think regardless of where the game's at, I, I would not – I would not call it a shoe in I guess, that you'll see Tampa Bay advance. I, I, just I think, do think they'll – I think they'll advance, but I don't think it'll be as easily as people believe. I think when you're looking at a guy like Tom Brady, I don't see him going into Washington and losing an opening round matchup. I think the Buccaneers are slowly starting to get – now, if, they, if the Buccaneers can figure out their defense, I think their offense is good enough to make a run in the NFC, in the NFC playoffs – I'd, when I look again, when I look at teams like the Packers and the Saints, the way they're playing right now, they're the most complete team the whole season. So I just, again, if getting back to the whole four five argument, I, I don't see Tom Brady finding a way. All righty. Well, after the break, we are going to wrap up our show with the MLB off season. Talk about some big trades, big pickups. And looking at a team in San Diego that looks like they're going to be very tough to beat. We'll be right back. Hey there, guys. I want you to go check out IG Dialed In Podcast. Check out their website as well, youngenterprises.us forward slash. Go check them out and enjoy the show. All right. Well, obviously, we're in the heart of the MLB offseason. We've seen a few teams power their way through. Obviously, looking at the Padres right away and in the, in the sound that they've made. Before we get on to them, I'll look at a few other ones. Lance Lynn, obviously, is now going to the White Sox. The Royals signed Carlos Santana for 17.5 mil. Red Sox get their guy in Hunter Renfro one year, 3.1 mil. The Rays signed Michael Walker, which will, I guess, be their replacement to Blake Snell. A few days ago, the Pirates traded away Josh Bell to the Nationals. And then, boom, on December 29th, the Rays sell Blake Snell to the Padres. And the Cubs give up you Darvish and Victor Carantini to the Padres for a bunch of minor league guys. Pat, I know that's going to make you sad because that's probably meaning, even though the Cubs won a minute, it's basically looking like the Cubs are going back to a rebuild, which wouldn't shock me to see in the next few days, weeks, or whatever, even at the trade deadline in the middle of the season, to see them starting to sell off even more, whether that might be like a Chris Bryant that they've talked about, um, Rizzo, whoever, more of their pitchers, we don't know right now. But it's starting to look more and more each day when you're giving away a guy like you, Darvish, and Victor Carantini, who was, I would say, decent backup for Contreras. Where do you think the Cubs are going right now? Um, you know, I think as a Cubs fan, we were really uh, fortunate for the past, you know, six to eight years of how – fun baseball was on the north side uh you know they won a world series um they've been in the playoffs i think like six out of the eight years um it sucks to kind of see them falling apart because after the world series except for the 2017 year the cubs haven't really done anything in the playoffs kind of been first round and out but I mean, you're talking about making the playoffs, you know, six, seven out of the past eight years, and that's just something the Cubs hadn't done in a while. Um, so committing to a full rebuild is something that I don't think they want. I think uh, them trading Darvish and Caratini was to accelerate kind of in the way um, so, they, so that they can stay a franchise you know, that has continued success like the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, I don't think the Cubs, I don't think they want to have a quote-unquote rebuild because they still have a very good core. You know, you got Rizzo, you got Baez, you got Hap, uh, you got Contreras as of right now. You got two, I would say two solid pitchers, three, you know, you got Hendricks, you got Quintana, which I, I would love to see them get rid of him. Um, you got Alec Mills, 
And then, you know, they signed Kimbrell. So, I mean, the, the pieces are there. Uh, it's just like these guys have kind of, uh, kind of just leveled out like Almora. He just kind of, you know, he came on so strong and then just kind of leveled out. And he's, he's almost kind of digressed a little bit. Uh, still probably one of the best outfielders I've ever seen. Uh, not taking that away from him. Uh, you know, with him and Jay Hay out there. And Jay Hay's bet about to come around, starting to come around more the past couple of years. So I think, you know, they got a good, they got a good core. And I think, I think that core, I think the front office started to realize that, you know, I'm not defending the front office at all. I'm not a, uh, I, I'll say, I think that, I think a lot of these moves are being made outside of Hoyer's control. Um, I think the Ricketts are, crunching for money and I think they're doing anything they can to get rid of salaries which sucks because okay. you know that's that's going to be you know like you said that could be Chris Bryant leaving next or Wilson Contreras leaving next and I guess one of the ways you you become a franchise that stays like a Yankees or a Red Sox is you don't go into a 10-year rebuild or a five-year rebuild you rebuild for a year or two but still, you're still a 500 flirting with the wild card kind of team. But in the yeah. the division the Cubs are, I, you know, in in the rebuild, I, or accelerated rebuild, I think they can still compete for the division. Um, you know, it's not traditionally the strongest division. Um, but it just sucks being, you know, you Darvish go away. He was your best pitcher on your staff last year. Right. Seeing Victor Caratini go away, he was I, – I honestly think he had a better year than Wilson Contreras did last year. Um, and I, I trust I trust Caratini more behind the plate than I do Wilson. Um, and that's not taking anything away from Wilson. I mean, he made great strides this year from where he was when they first called him up. Um, it just kind of kind of sucks seeing the Cubs go through this just because, you know, you, you don't want them to get rid of anybody since they won the World Series. You want them to just win, like, eight more. But, unfortunately, that's not happening or going to happen um, unless they make some changes. And, you don't, you know, like I said, you don't want to see anybody from the World Series team leave uh, unless it's Mike Montgomery or something like that, who, yeah, he got the last out, but get out of here, dude. Um, I don't know. It's just – it's interesting – to see them go about it this way, especially with a new manager who's only been in the game for a year in Roth. Uh, I love David Roth. I think he's, I think he's going to be a great manager and I think he's just in a tough spot right now about what to do with the team. But when it comes to young guys, I can't think of a better mentor you want to have for them. Oh, so yeah, for sure. I, I see them making all these trades, you know, getting the young guys with the couple guys they have in their system. I think it it sucks at this moment, but I'm hoping that it works out. And I'm very, I'm very, uh, I would say I'm 75% leaning towards these trades working out for the Cubs, uh, just because I, I think Jed Hoyer studied a lot under Theo Epstein, who is probably one of the just greatest baseball ops general managers ever. Um, and I, I would love him to go be like the Bears GM or something. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think Jed, I, I think these are out of Jed's control, but I think Jed tried to make the best of the situation, if that makes sense. Um, and I, like I said, I just think, you know, they're, the Cubs are in a fortunate spot right now with who they have in that clubhouse and who their manager is, that the mentoring that these young guys will receive will be, greater than anything than staying in the Padres organization, if that makes sense. Right. It, uh, you talked about the NL Central and how that division is, is I don't want to say weak, but a division that anybody can really win, right? And I look at a team like Milwaukee, and it's hard to take this season into much consideration stats-wise, wins-wise. And again, I'm not, I'm not taking away the World Series title from the Dodgers by any means. But looking at the NL Central, looking at a team like Milwaukee, how they have a team that the year prior, I would say, handled that division pretty well. Um, obviously beat the Cubs in that one game, like wild card, I guess, if you, if you want to call it that. Um, 
early looks into that division, obviously the Reds lose Trevor Bauer. It's going to be interesting to see where he lands. Do you think the Reds are the new team in that division? Do you think the Cubs have a chance to still be number one? Who's that number one team right now that you that if you had to say is most consistent with the least amount of questions? Because right now, I mean, regardless of what anybody thinks, I I think that the Cubs have probably one of the most interesting off seasons and most questions that have to be answered, both on the fact of all the all these trade talks that have been rumored that haven't happened. The obviously now the trade with you Darvish and Carantini. Who is the team right off the bat, in your opinion, that looks like they have the least amount of questions that should be ready to play baseball and find themselves in October at the top of the NL Central? Um, I hate to say this as a diehard Cubs fan, but probably the Cardinals. Um, you know, they're always that team. Like, they'll have their off years, but they're always that team that's always just there. Um. I I don't think the Reds are quite there yet. I think they're a couple hitters and maybe a pitcher or two away. If Bauer were to resign, I would probably say they're closer. Uh, but I definitely would not say they're there to compete for the division. I would say maybe for a wild card. Um, and with the Brewers, they're weird, man, because, you know, they came on pretty strong, but then, like, you know, they had the year last year and – I don't know. The Brewers are just a really weird team just because of just, I, I don't know what it is. They're just, they're really good. And then, you know, you see the year Yelich had this year and then you see the year the Brewers had of the team and you're just kind of like, Oh, well, what what's going on? And then you got the Cubs and a lot of people are sitting there wondering like, you know, what, what are we as a Cubs fan? What do you want us to expect this up this upcoming season? Right. Like what is what is what is our goal? Like I I have a tough time saying the Cubs are at the top of the division this coming year. But I have a tough time also saying they're at the bottom because I truthfully don't know what direction like I, I clearly see they're trying to rebuild or, or retool. Um but you still have such a good core on the field. Like the roster that it stands right now, you didn't trade away any quote-unquote starting position player. I mean, yeah, you got rid of an ace, but you also have Hendricks. I just don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what to expect from the Cubs. So moving on from Chicago, a team that the Cubs played in the postseason and for the most part really got handled by looking at Miami. So moving on to the NL East, I was really impressed of what Miami did in the playoffs and the way they competed in the series after sweeping the Cubs. Do you think Miami is a team – that when they play the Braves who should have been in the world series this year and just fell apart against the Dodgers, can Miami be a team that again, not a lot of people look at as an NL East powerhouse or even a national league powerhouse looking at a team like Miami, do they have any shot of repeating and excelling of what they did last year? Or is it more of just a fluke fish, a one-and-done thing? Um, you know, I think that goes back to the season as a whole this year being, you know, the regular MLB season is 162 games. Um, when they played 62 this year. Yep. And some teams didn't actually end up playing 62. They played less. Right. Um, so, you know, that's such a, you know, you're talking about, a, you know, close to a third of the season. And if you look at traditional, like, I would say if you look at traditional baseball history with teams, every team, I would say in a year, 
goes through like these weird stretches where like they're just the best team. Like it's yep. like it could be a you know forty a team that finishes forty and one hundred and twenty could have started off the year you know ten and five. Yeah. And you know people are sitting there like okay maybe they're like somewhat legit. I think I think that's what happened with the Marlins this year. Um, I think they have some good I think they have some good players. I really do. <clears throat> I think they have some good pitching. Um, and I think they I think they performed over obviously I think they overperformed. Um, but I will also say that I do believe that the Marlins took advantage of the short season and they said, you know what? You know, we we only have to be good for sixty two games. And with the MLB expanding the playoffs, you know, they were like, okay, maybe now we only have to be good for 40 games. So, you know, they were one of the first teams this year to get hit with the COVID stuff. And ever since that moment, you know, they kind of took off. And I, I would have been – it would have been very interesting to see where they would have been in a regular season. But, you know, hats off to them, dude. They took advantage of this season. And I think they set the bar – almost unrealistically high for next year. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to agree to disagree. Do I, again, do I think they're going to be a team that competes for an NL championship this year? No. But when you look at, when you look at their rotation, you look at their one, two, and you have Sixto Sanchez and, and Alcantara, those two dudes performed and they, they both looked really good throughout, throughout the entire postseason for, for what it's worth. Again, in that division, you're competing against the pitchers from the Mets. Obviously, you got a guy in Mentor down in Atlanta that looks unreal. Um, but they're a team now that I feel isn't the bottom of the barrel of the NL East and should be a team that definitely should compete for an NL East championship and maybe even – in a few years from now, when they get younger talent coming up through through their system, which is very good, a team that is now a team that maybe competes with somebody like the Dodgers or or the Padres. And so, with that said, looking at the projected lineup for the team in San Diego, Grisham leading off, Tatis at two, Machado three, Hosmer four. Fam five, Meyer six, Cronworth seventh, Nola eight, and whoever you got pitching that day at nine. And now looking at the pitchers, Darvish, Lament, Snell, Paddock, and Morjan. How do you beat a team like that in a seven-game series? When you got when when your first when your first four games, let's look at the first four. Darvish, Lament, Snell, and Paddock. I mean, those are some. Those are like your. Honestly, I would say all four of those guys. Would you say at least top fifty in the league? Starting pitching wise, yes, I would. I would probably agree. Yeah, and 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 then you go on the offense. Clevenger. Yeah, exactly. And then you go, and then you go on the off offensive side of the of of things, and your first four guys are Grisham, Tatis, Machado, and Hosmer, and it doesn't really go down from there. And you're looking at Tommy Pham at number five, Vegas guy, might I add. So shout out to Tommy Pham. What up, Pham? Are the Padres the team to beat this year? Not only not only <clears throat> in their conference, but in the entire league, are they the team to beat? Um, you know. With the success of the Dodgers this year and looking at what they have pitching-wise, hitting-wise, I, I, it's hard for me to say that, yeah, the Padres are the best, you know, the team to beat because, I mean, you look at the Dodgers, you got Mookie Betts, you got Bellinger, you got Seager, you got Turner, you got Will Smith, Austin Barnes. Um how, you know, how do you, how do you take down the, how do you say another team is the best team, like the team to beat when 
that team couldn't even beat the team that won the World Series. Um, now, I do understand what you're saying because, yeah, dude, the, the, on paper, the Padres are great. Padres look like one of the best teams ever developed. And I think with their manager, I like the way – I like the direction they're going. Um, like you said, one through one through eight, one through nine, um, if they keep the universal DH also, you know, you're talking about, you know, the NL West being probably one of the best divisions in all of sports in regards to a two-team race. You're talking about two teams and the Dodgers and the Padres just duking it out. And... <clears throat> I can't I, I can't go against the Dodgers until the Padres prove me otherwise. But I, I, I think they're really, really close. Yeah, I, I think watching those season, those season series throughout the regular season is gonna be quite enjoyable. I think you're gonna get a better idea of what you see in the regular season. But with the young talent that San Diego has. I don't see them going anywhere anytime soon. I would be shocked with the rotation that they now have and the offensive power that they now have. And with a guy of the name of Trevor Bauer that's still looking for a spot, if for somehow, some way, he finds his way in San Diego, which if they have the cap space, you're in this deep, why not? If they have the cap space, Sign them up. And if you, if you, again, if you find a way to get Trevor Bauer in a San Diego Padres uniform this year, I see them being the best team in baseball and a team that's going to be extremely difficult to beat in a seven game series. Extremely difficult. I think that a team like the Yankees that seem to get so close every single year and not do it a guy like trevor bauer could definitely help their starting pitching is kind of what proved to be their nemesis outside of a guy like garrett cole obviously you back a guy like garrett cole up with trevor bauer then it's a little bit of a different story i think this year in the alcs against the rays the rays just outpitched them the rays had guys coming in from the bullpen who gave up one run all year you know so it's going to be interesting. Trevor Bauer is a key piece, whether he lands and finds a spot in the AL or the NL. But right now, this is one of the most intriguing MLB off seasons. And you're starting again, you're starting to see a team like San Diego who knows that this is probably their time and the way they performed in the playoffs this year, they just need one more piece and they got a few. And they're going to take the Dodgers to the brink this year and give the Dodgers everything they possibly can. And I feel that whoever comes out of the Dodgers and the Padres in the postseason is going to give, again, somebody like whoever in the AL their best shot at a World Series. It's going to be very tough for somebody for, for it not to be Dodgers and Padres all season. So... With that said, that is going to wrap up our sports talk for the day. From us at the Battery, from me, Pat, and Mike, we all want to wish you a, a happy new year. Not a Merry Christmas. Well, a Merry Christmas, but a happy new uh, year. You don't, you, don't, you don't deserve a Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> so a happy new year. And uh, we, we thought it'd be a, a cool idea. And, and we're going to kind of get interactive with this, um, with our social media. This was our producer mike's idea and i thought it was a good one we're uh, the three of us are going to say what our new year's resolutions are um i'll start and then we'll, we'll go to pat and wrap it up with mike for me right now obviously with covid and everything else i'm going to work really hard this year to get my hours in flying wise so i can get my private pilot's license but at least hopefully by the end of this year um, that's my number one goal I would say my athletic goal now that our season is canceled is just keep my body in shape and, and make sure I'm, I'm doing everything I possibly can to where when I finally get to play baseball again, because last time I played was a long, long time ago. When I finally get to do that again, I 
I, uh, I want to make sure I'm prepared and, and I'm doing what I should. So with that said, I'm going to pass it on to my main man, Patrick. What up? So, yeah. Um, you know, my, my new year's resolution is, you know, to get through my senior, my senior year, uh, you know, healthy, have a good year, put myself in a good position for my future endeavors and, you know, keep working on being a better person and just making sure that, you know, my, my stuff is getting done and that the Cubs make the playoffs and the Bears. <laughs> Your New Year's resolution is something that somebody else controls. I like it. Well, we want to yeah. see you get drafted too this year, Pat. So good luck with that. Thanks, bud. And Mike, Mike you're up, buddy. All right. Uh, I want to. I want to uh, do a New Year's resolution that every that I can personally stick to. Most people say, "Oh, I want to go to the gym. I want to fix my speech impediment." I, it ticks me off that I lisp. I wanted to be on this podcast with you guys as a special guest. Maybe uh, along the road, a third host. Who knows? You guys have a lot of really good, exciting content coming up, and I would love to be a part of it. And the biggest thing stopping me right now is my lisp. So I'm going to go get a speech th- a therapist, and I'm going to go fix my lisp so I can potentially be on the podcast with you guys. Yeah, man, that's great. And we wish you the best with that. You know, we've been talking about that in the next, the last few days. Um, that's awesome that you're, you're, you're doing that for yourself. And I think that's awesome. Uh, and we would definitely want you on the show more, more times than not. Um, but yeah, yeah it's like, it's annoying. Exactly. I know. I, I, I don't <laughs> like hearing myself either. So, all righty guys. Well, with that being said, again, you guys have a great new year. We're finally out of 2020. We'll see you soon. Happy New Year. Signing off. Bye.